On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Today, we are very excited. We are chatting with professional stunt woman and television personality, Jesse Graff. Now, you may know Jesse as one of the top competitors on NBC's America Ninja Warrior, dating all the way back to season five back in 2013. Jesse is also a championship pole vaulter and a competitive gymnast. Thanks so much for joining us, Jesse. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So that means basically all those titles, you are the modern day Wonder Woman. I mean, you are anybody that follows you on Instagram, (laughs) anybody that watches and reads the articles in women's health magazines about you. I mean, you are physically fit. You are strong mentally and physically. Um, Just talk about that role that you portray to young women throughout the world and what you embody with your body of work, really. Oh, my gosh. Well, I never thought about it that way when I was training. I just wanted to be the absolute best that I could be. I wanted to, like, I I saw things that looked impossible, and I wanted to do them and prove myself wrong and find just new levels of possible. And I've always been so dedicated to that and in my own, almost in my own bubble of just pushing my limits that when suddenly it was on NBC And all these little girls were looking up to me. It was this whole new level of amazing that just like this unexpected reward, I guess. And so I love so much having this opportunity to, I don't know, set a good example for them. And I'm able to have these little interactions with some of the little girls that send me messages on Instagram and just have these new goals and want to be strong and show me their muscles And I'll give them little goals and challenges to work on. And it's amazing to see the progress they're making um, and to feel like I had a part in that. Well, you are so great with the fans and you're so great with engaging on social media and really just trying to give back and and inspire others to be strong and to be confident. And I read in an article in Women's Health Magazine that came out in September about you, um, you, and you've referenced the word already in this in this podcast, the word impossible. You have a really interesting perspective mm-hmm. on that word and the dynamic of how that comes into our daily lives, our daily routines. When we're working out, we think something is impossible. Can you kind of channel what you mentioned in that article about why that word to you is not as overbearing as it might be to us? I think for me, I've always heard the word impossible and found it to mean interesting, exciting, and worth trying for. And the more I push towards something that I think is impossible, even if I never get there, I know I'm going to get better in the process of trying for it. And the more I push those limits, the better I become and the more it expands the possibilities of what humans are capable of. And that is just one of the most rewarding things that I've found in life, one of the most inspiring things that I just love working towards, just defying impossible. It's a word that is going to come up in daily life all the time. Like people, you, you say you want to try something and people will tell you it's impossible. And the more you use that word and try anyway, and then prove yourself wrong, the less power it has. It's not a discouraging thing anymore. If someone says it's impossible, who are they to say? And the more you disprove it, the more capable you become of taking on any challenge that's in front of you. 
Well, you've certainly defied it. There's no question about that. And I think, you know, I'm going to get into your athletic background dating back to your childhood because that's ultimately where all of us really start to begin to develop this inner drive and this um, strength from within, especially through sports. But you rose to stardom on NBC's American Ninja Warrior. That's when the world got to see your abilities and you defying that word impossible as you talk about. You were the first female ever to finish stage one of the national finals in 2016 and then again to hit the buzzer in stage two this past May. Jesse, what is it like competing on that show for you? It's been such a whirlwind. The thing I love about it is that it constantly increases the difficulty. So you're never going to have a lack of challenges. And they always look impossible, which means I always get to push my limits. Um, One of the things that's been the most fun for me is that almost every time I've competed, I've gotten to that point where I know my grip won't hold out any longer. I know I can't do it. I push through it anyway and surprise myself and have this moment of complete thrill of like, of, I mean, to have it happen in that situation where I, I want it so badly, I know I can't do it and I do it anyway, is just one of the best feelings in the world. Um, and then I get to try the next challenge and maybe I don't make it through, but I get to hold on and cling with everything I have. And in those moments where you're just trembling and losing your grip, but not giving up anyway, even if you fall, those are where you get the strongest and make the most progress. And I know that the next time I try it, I'm going to be a little bit stronger. Maybe I'll make it one or two feet farther on that obstacle or a similar one. But I'm not only building strength in those moments, I'm also building that mental toughness of knowing that I can hold out longer than I think and that I'm getting stronger through continuing to try in literal obstacles and life obstacles. It just builds that habit of not giving up. Well, I think it's so interesting because you talk about that moment where you don't think your grip will hold any longer. And a lot of people would probably just give up and say, okay, that's the max that I can push my body. And and you've proven that, you know, when we get to our limits, there's usually another level we can achieve. There's, if you just push yourself a little bit harder. Jesse, what do you say to yourself mm-hmm. in those moments when you think that you, that grip won't hold any longer, or you've reached the max, what do you tell yourself to get you over that hump? I think I'm really lucky in the fact that I kind of enjoy that feeling. Maybe it's because I have it so linked in my mind, that feeling of overcoming it. Um, I try to practice it in every workout. So like when I'm rock climbing, I, I keep climbing. If I make it up and come back down, I'll try to keep climbing until I get to that point where I can't hold on anymore. And I get to the stage that I call oven mitts where my hands, like I can't flex the muscles, I can't move them. But I can usually make about three more moves where I just like slap my arm at the hold I want and my fingers are kind of locked in this little oven mitt. And then I do about two more moves after that one and then fall off. But I'm in a safety harness. And so a big part of my ability to push those limits beyond what I feel capable of is the fact that I put myself in very safe situations. Like I'm not saying you should practice pull-ups over some kind of ledge or in an area without mats. Um, or do these, you know, big obstacles where there is a big consequence if you fall. On Ninja Warrior, we have all these huge mats and we're falling into water. If I'm practicing something that I'm nervous about or I, I have that feeling where I'm like, well, I definitely can't do this. I pad it up like crazy. I have really thick crash pads underneath me. I'll have someone spot me because once you make it safe, there's not so much fear of failing. You don't have to worry. You can push it. You can keep going until you can't go. You can fall out of control. And with rock climbing, 
I'm usually doing top rope where I'm in a harness, someone's got the line, and if I fall, I'm probably falling less than a foot before I'm sitting in this safe, safe, cushy harness. And so I think that's a big part of, you know, if you're afraid of something, just eliminate the hazards so that there's nothing to be afraid of. That's interesting because I'm deathly afraid of heights. I am so petrified of them. But if I knew there was a, something to fall into below, perhaps a mat or <laughs> a big swimming pool, I might be better off, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Actually, um, I, I would love it if people taught this in school. But I feel one of the most important skills a human being should ever learn is how to fall safely. And it's something we should all practice. And, you know, as a gymnast and taking circus classes as a little kid, they teach us that very, very early on. And so... Like what I do with kids when I'm starting to train them on obstacles, I don't do it that often. But um, as we practice falling, you squat down and you practice rolling. And if you can feel like a thump anywhere, then you know you're not falling smoothly. And you practice really low on the ground and then you practice from standing up. And then, you know, if you're balancing on a fence, well, are you comfortable jumping off of it? Do you know that you can land safely if you slip? Practice jumping off. If you're not comfortable jumping off, you probably shouldn't be balancing up there because the consequence of falling is too big. So it's this process of understanding your limits and finding them. It's, it's not something that you just naturally know. It's something that you feel out and build and do progression. And if we all practice that more often, we'd be safer in daily life and have more ways to comfortably continue exploring our limits. Well, you mentioned a lot of that has to do with your background, uh, growing up as a kid, as a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Um, you also took circus classes at six years old. You were already a trapeze, trapeze artist at age 12. I mean, that's a very um, unconventional route for a young kid to take. There's so many other sports activities that are available through towns. And mm-hmm. I mean, I found that so interesting. How did you get into it? Um, well, I saw the circus when I was four and it just changed my world. I was like, I was a really shy kid. I was just, I was afraid to talk to, um, I mean, new kids, adults, anyone. I was just, I didn't know how to talk to people. And when I saw the circus and I saw the people on the flying trapeze soaring through the air, it was just like this part of my heart opened up. And it was, I just turned to my parents and I was like, I need to do that. And they'd never seen that in me before. And so they didn't know what to do because what are you going to do? Walk down and ask the ringmaster if you can try it. Like, there's no way. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and knowing how shy I was, they were like, okay, well, you know what? If you want to try it, you're going to have to ask him. And so I just stood up and toddled down the stairs and asked him. And they were just horrified. They were like, what are we going to do? There's, he's going to say no. She's going to be crushed. She's never going to speak again. And, you know, I cried a lot. But they were hyper motivated to be like, we need to find this kid's circus classes. And it was through that that I became more willing to open up. And, you know, if you want to learn, you have to ask your teacher questions. And I bonded with the other kids that were taking classes. And I started inviting my friends from school to come to classes and to my shows. And I would practice all these skills on the bars or on the playground. And that was kind of how I opened up as a human being and learned to interact. And, um, and I think, I mean, my parents just kept encouraging that because they could see what it was doing for me. That's so incredible. I mean, that's one of the biggest messages we try to convey here through the On Her Turf podcast is just the impact that sports and activities as young girls has on, I mean, you for you, it revolutionized your personality. It wasn't just you from a fitness level and you as an athlete. It was really, it opened you up to being a better communicator and making new mm-hmm. friends. And I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and I still love it. It's just, it's something I love so much that I don't know. <laughs> it just worked. I mean, you mentioned your parents a couple times too, and I'm curious um, who the biggest influencers were growing up, your parents, maybe coaches along the way that, that really empowered you to follow this dream of yours. Definitely my parents. And it wasn't just um, things they said, although although my dad has talked about like mantras that he would say to me over and over that I don't remember at all. But when I was a baby, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to and, and all that that I think is just embedded in my core. I don't know if you've ever seen my mom, but she recently retired from working. And it's another thing I got from her is that like, we're just so inspired by having a goal and something to work towards. So I think she took a month off before she got a personal trainer, a new agent, headshots, resume, learned to video edit, started auditioning. She got her first pull up when she was 63. And now she's 67 and she's doing Ninja Warrior competitions and can do over 10 pull-ups. She's doing weighted pull-ups. She's like fully immersed in Ninja Warrior now. So your mom, her success, even at at the age that she's at after she retired is, I mean, obviously I can see, we can see where you get it from. We can see where your drive comes from. Um, Growing up, I mean, it's so interesting. You were the gymnast, you took the, you took classes with the circus and then, you know, you had so many athletic endeavors that led to in college, you broke the pole vault record at Georgia Tech. You majored in aerospace engineering, which I'm going to get back to that in a minute because that is fascinating to me. <laughs> and also at the University of Nebraska, where you earned your degree in theater. So take me to those mm-hmm. days in college when you were competing and just the the way you had to really prioritize your time as a Division One athlete and also trying to balance this incredibly rigorous and intense aerospace engineering curriculum. Well, honestly, it was pretty much the same as high school. It was you wake up, you finish any last studying you need to do, you go to class, or sometimes it was weightlifting in the morning. Um, it depended on the day. You go to class, you take any breaks during the day to study extra stuff, and then you go straight to practice. We'd work out from like maybe three to six or sometimes one to four, one to five. I'd usually sneak into the gymnastics room to do a little bit of extra training after workout. And then I would do homework and study until I went to sleep. But that's kind of just been the way I've always learned. There there wasn't any spare time. In high school, it was actually harder. I'd usually have to, on the weekend, I would guess what subjects we were going to do or like what chapter we were going to do on Monday so I could get a day ahead in my homework because by Friday, I'd be a little bit behind. So, <laughs> so that gosh. was kind of uh, high school and college. Yeah, very busy. Uh, so tell me about this aerospace engineering major. What did you want to do with that? Well, it's it's an interesting story. Uh, I guess I knew from, like I said, age four that I wanted to join the circus and I wanted it more than anything. And I was I was a kid who just was tortured by the feeling of having to sit still. And that's what we do in school, like, what, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. or something. It's just, it, it just hurt. It physically hurt. It mentally hurt. And I didn't do well in school probably from up until fourth or maybe even fifth grade. And actually it was gymnastics that turned me around and got me more disciplined and wanting to do better at everything. But I took this aptitude test because they were, you know, supposed to help us find careers that inspired us and everything. And I was like, you know, I don't need to do this because I'm joining the circus. And they were like, just take it anyway. And it showed that I was good at science and math. 
And so I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, if I'm stuck in school anyway, what could I possibly do involving science and math that would keep me inspired so that I don't hate sitting here so that I can make the most of it and grow in some way? And I was like, you know, floating around in space sounds like fun. Maybe I'll be an astronaut. And I kind of set aside the, the idea that astronauts have to study things. It's not about floating around in space. You're either a pilot or you're studying, you know, uh, how to plant things on Mars. Or um, there's a lot of things you study, but I wasn't at the time particularly inspired by those. I just wanted to float in space. <laughs> a little misguided in terms of like <laughs> why to be studying something, but it got me through school. It got me through, it turned me from like, a C average student to straight A's for the entire rest of my career in high school and college. And I actually, I learned so much, especially in physics. I mean, it built my work ethic. So I keep everything in like organized binders so I can go back and reference things. And I do that with, you know, my, my stunts and my ninja stuff and like everything I try to keep organized in binders. Physics was the first thing in school where they started explaining principles and I was like, oh my gosh, this applies to my life and things I want to do. They explained if you, if you throw a ball off a cliff at this angle, at this speed, where is it going to land? And I was like, well, I love jumping off of cliffs, whether I'm diving or going into a giant mat or something. I was like, this is something that would really come in handy, knowing how to land and like the friction of doing curves on motorcycles. And it was just, Oh, pendulums are my favorite. Like, if you have a ball on a string, how does it swing? What if you shorten the length of the pendulum? And that's something that is in every single episode of Ninja Warrior. There's always at least one obstacle that swings. Sometimes they go circularly, sometimes forward and back on different lengths pendulums. And it's just something that once I found that, I was so excited about that subject. And studying it back then has helped me so much, even in, you know, stunts and obstacles, which you don't typically think, you know, study hard in school and you'll get better at your sport, but you do. And I'm so glad that even if it was for a silly reason, I studied science and math and it has helped. It works out really well in so many things that you've been talking about. You're this like realistic dreamer. You you set your sights on something but you really want something that's interesting to you. Like you're not going to waste your time on something that in your world doesn't mean anything. And I'm really inspired by that in the sense that I think anybody listening can understand the message of, you know, and anytime I go back and talk to schools, I mention this, do something you love. Don't do what other people think you mm -hmm. should be doing, you know, do, do what inspires you, do what you love and enjoy, because then you're never going to feel like you're going to work a day in your life or that you're going to be bored in school. And that's exactly what you did. I mean, you were bored. So you found a subject that made it interesting interesting for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really lucky that, you know, I set a goal when I was little to be a superhero, which is ridiculous. And I'm doing it like that's my job. <laughs> I, that's I, awesome. I get to be a superhero at work. And I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful for it. You've spent a career, Jesse, uh, as doing stunts, and you've done them in major motion pictures. Um, you were a stunt double for Wonder Woman and won a Screen Actors Guild Award in 2017 for outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture. What is the scariest stunt you've ever done, and, and how did you find a way to overcome the fear of the initial you know, wonder and, and worry if you might be able to do it or not? I feel like I'm almost backwards on that. Like, I initially see it. 
and go, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I want to do it. And then my rational brain kicks in and I have to think, okay, don't be dumb. Let's think about what are the dangers here? How could you get hurt? What could go wrong? How do you make this as safe as possible? And so that's the fun game for me. If I feel like I'm afraid, something is wrong. So you have to think through every little bit. So one of my favorite stunts I got to do was jumping off of a, I think it was a 36-foot bridge onto a moving train. Sounds amazing. I was so oh my excited. gosh. So I guess Sounds there. horrible to me. And so we have to think about... <laughs> So we have to think about what could go wrong. Well, there's a lot of things. One, what if you mistime it and you fall instead of on the boxcar, you fall between them? Well, uh, you're going to get hit on both sides by the train and then get run over it. Okay, how do we make that not happen besides just timing it perfectly? And what we did is we put thick mats between each boxcar. So there were chains that they were suspended on so that if, if I missed and jumped at completely the wrong time, it's honestly going to suck. Like, I'm going to get bumped pretty badly. But there's no way I could fall under the train. Okay, so that's taken care of. The, the drop to the top of the train was too far to land really safely without mats. And so we put mats on top. And because of technology now, they're able to paint those out so that in the finished product, you don't see the mats on the roof of the train. So that made it much nicer. And then the big thing is the timing. How do you make sure that you land in the right spot on top of the train so that you're not falling in between and getting horribly rattled? Because I mean, you could definitely break a leg if you fall between or concussion. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. So what we did, because there were two of us, uh, the stunt guy's name was Austin Priester and Kevin Jackson was stunt coordinating. It was on Leverage. The name of the episode is The Big Bang Job. So we stand on the railing on the bridge and we each had a sandbag. And so we'd watch the timing of the train. And on uh, it was I was in charge of the timing. So when I said go we would drop the sandbags. He would drop his straight down and I would toss mine forward at about the speed that I thought I was going to jump forward so that we didn't land on top of each other. And we did this until we could get our sandbags to land perfectly centered on each mat uh, because there was one for each of us. But it only took us two times. So on our second time, they were like, okay, you guys ready? And I was like, I would like to do it one more to make sure I'm consistent and that that wasn't a fluke. So we went one more. We hit exactly on our targets. And so on the next one, we did it. We jumped off. We landed perfectly. And they were like, great, moving on because don't tempt fate. Like if you've got the shot right, right. Um, and it's something dangerous like that, great, let's be done. And we got to spend the rest of the day leaping from boxcar to boxcar. And it was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it sounds I'm, I have like butterflies just hearing you tell the story. I just can't imagine the exhilaration <laughs> and the feeling that you get when you get to do these. I mean, is there any athletic endeavor that you still want to achieve? Any stunt that you haven't done that you really want to do? Oh, gosh, there's so many, so many. Um, actually, I got to do a lot of them this past year, which means, unfortunately, I can't tell you anything about them. Um, <laughs> okay, well, do, we will stay <laughs> tuned. Were, I had this, <laughs> yeah, I had this list of dream stunts. And so many of them happened in some capacity this past year. It's been so wonderful, so exciting. I, I can say that I was doing stunts on Wonder Woman 1984, which comes out in June of 2020. I just can't tell you anything about what I did. So 
Uh, well, we are just going to have to wait until 2020 then. Yeah, we are excited. Um, I love one of the messages that you try to convey through your fame and the opportunities that you've had. It is one that's really so powerful to me. And you have said, I hope to be a positive influence and show people all over the world that strong is beautiful. And you do such a great job with your Instagram and your social media platforms to convey that message. But what is it about the words in that message that are so meaningful to you, Jesse? Well, I think especially as a stunt double over the years, I've felt so much pressure to be very thin and to look a certain way because, you know, we see a lot of actresses that that's just the body type. And I think it's been perpetuated through our culture for so long of um, girls to just feel this pressure to look a certain way. And, you know, that fashion has changed from decade to decade. But so much of our fitness culture is based around making your body look the way it's supposed to look to society. And I just, I think that can be very hurtful to your soul. And that what I've found inspiration through is training to do the things that I want to be able to do. The things that inspire me are I want to jump really, really high so that I can flip as high as the guys. I want to get up the warped wall every time easily. For a lot of people, it can be feeling healthy and energized throughout your day or, you know, being strong enough to lift your kids and throw them up in the air. But I find it so much more inspiring to train to do things, to feel strong and capable and know that like, you know, if I were chased and I fell over a ledge and I were hanging by my fingers, I don't have to wait for someone to come rescue me and pull me back up. I'll just do a pull up. It's like if you train to be strong and feel strong and confident, you can feel like your own hero. Well, Jesse, we appreciate the time, your inspiration, all the positive messages that you send to all on your social media platforms, on your Instagram account. You can follow Jesse and follow along on her fitness routine, her diet, her exercise, her health tips, all this cool stuff. Um, it's all accessible, and that's why we love it. We love you. We love watching uh, all the all the opportunities you've had given to you, but also we look forward to the many, many more places that we can see you in the upcoming years ahead. So, Jesse, thanks for joining us on the On Her Turf podcast. We really appreciate it's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for having such a positive message. Our thanks to Jesse Graff for joining us. You can download the On Her Turf podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you, so be sure to chime in and also follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.